All right, so we've been coming to a, a close here in Ephesians, and Paul has been really taking this last section of Scripture, this end, which kind of started way back in chapter 6, verses t- verse 10, in speaking on or bringing t- to the, the light uh, of the world in which we live in. You know, the, the reality of what's happening behind the scenes that we don't see with our eyes, really. He's been exposing to all of us, all of us Christians, that there are dark, powerful forces, very powerful, that are out there, working behind it all, that do not like you, and they're bent on your destruction in your life. That's that's their goal. Like breaking you down so that you become paralyzed in fear. You're living in fear everywhere you go. Turn on the TV, you freak out. Turn off the TV, you freak out. Blinded by rage of what you see and what's going on in life. What's going on in your life. Or zealously consumed with things that amount to to absolutely nothing in the end. I don't need to give that list, but we become consumed with a lot of things that are just meaningless. But whatever the case, the goal of these forces is to get your eyes off Christ and get your eyes on yourself so that you fall into sin. Paul is saying we are in this, and we face this spiritual battle every day we wake up with these dark forces. And I can't repeat enough that there is no place on earth, there is no place that you can go where the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his minions, cannot have any influence in your life to pursue sin. Nowhere. And I know, I know for some that might seem kind of silly to say. It might seem that I'm being overdramatic. But that is the truth that Paul is placing before our eyes in this last section of Scripture. I mean, think of it this way. Think of it, there's a general principle, okay, as a general principle of life. The more we forget Satan's potential influence over anything in our life, okay, in thinking that it's not possible for him to influence our relationships, influence common and mundane things in our life, or even seemingly churchy things in our life, the more potential he has in our life to get us entangled in sins in those areas or get us involved with new sins that we don't even realize. How so? Because we fall into this trap, his trap really, of some type of trying to have some type of self-sufficiency, some type of aspect of self-dependence in some different area or some area of our life, thinking we got it covered, we know the right answers, we know the correct way of how to go about things and in, and of them, uh, in and of ourselves. We don't need God's help in this area. And we buy into the world's lie that God doesn't want to help us in such common areas in life, common things in life. 
We buy into that lie. The world says, you can do this on your own. You're old enough. You're strong enough. You're wise enough. You've been a Christian long enough. You've experienced enough things in life. You should have a handle on this by now. But then sadly, those areas of life become easily influenced by the world to center around us, around our status, our glory, and not God's. We get tricked into the lie that we have to get some type of self-sufficiency in and of ourselves, meaning that we have to figure things out on our own. Otherwise, otherwise, in the end, we'll end up being worthless and a useless person to the people around us and especially to God. No one wants to be useless. So we feel like we've got to do, do, do more. All on our own. We don't need God's help. And we believe this, this lie that the world again promotes and pushes that God doesn't want us to go to Him for everything. He doesn't want us to rely upon Him for everything in our life. So we try to be self-sufficient in these areas in our life so we can establish that we are valuable, we are worthy, we are respectable. But in the end, we just make life in these areas all about yourself again. And not about our God. Because we forget to, that we can only find all of that, all of those things, our value, our worth, our meaning, our purpose, in Him and not in ourselves. But whatever the case, Satan and his minions is all about having you be enslaved to living for self, having you be in the spotlight of life, which only drives you to pursuing sin, not pursuing the glory of God in all areas of your life, or more bluntly, not having you live by faith in Christ for all things in your life. And so, those independent areas that we have of God, right, that we're, at least we try to have, they become great vulnerabilities, and Satan uses, uses them all to direct us away from resting in our Savior, he uses them to entangle us into sin so we become exhausted and frustrated or self-righteous so that we frequently forget throughout the week about the true and abundant life that we do have in Christ right now. See, Christ said in John 10.10 10, that He came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Meaning that He came so that our, our whole lives, that means everything, can reflect the eternal life that we have been given, reflect the restoration, reflect His peace that we now have with God. So, how then are we to live such an abundant life in Christ? How are we not to be then be overcome by the temptations of the world and the devil in our life? How are we to be encouraged than to go to Christ for our everything and find our everything in Him by faith alone. How are we supposed to do that? Well, Paul gives a very direct, simple answer. Prayer. Prayer. So our title then is Principles of Prayer. And our text is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18a, just the first part. And Paul here is going to encourage us to rely upon then, right, God for everything through faith in Christ as we live in this daily spiritual battle. And he will do this by speaking on the topic of prayer. 
so that if you get nothing else, understand this. A way we battle against the world's influence in our life is by prayer. And everyone can do it. Everyone can pray. So let's look at the text. And let's see what Paul has to say then in verse 18. Just the first part. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So Paul here straight up tells us, you want to know how to live in this evil world and how to avoid all its temptations? You want to know how to overcome sin? How to make sure you don't fall into sin? Or how to get out of the very sin you may be committing right now? How are we to live with this idea that Jesus is our everything and all that we are and all that we do and all that we say? Paul says prayer. Prayer. Paul says it's by prayer we reveal such gospel wonders in our life of what Christ has accomplished for us by faith in him. For prayer is not just meaningless words. It's not repetitious words or something you do before you eat or go on a road trip. But prayer, according to the Bible, is a direct communication with the almighty God himself. And this brings us to our first point of our principles of prayer. Pray as much as you can. See, because of what Christ has accomplished for us upon the cross, the restoration, the adoption, all by faith in Jesus, we now have full and complete access to speak to God and not only speak to Him, but have been given the wonderful privilege of Him hearing what we say and actually caring about it. Not just randomly speaking and like, I hope He hears. But even greater than that, we have Him wanting us to speak to Him. I mean, God wants you, uh, and I'm sorry, but this is the reality, you, a Mr. a Mr. or Mrs. Nobody, to speak with him about your seemingly small and insignificant life. I mean, when you look at what's going on in the world in regards to your life, it's small and insignificant. I mean, you go out, in the end, the world doesn't care. The world moves on. But guess what? God lovingly and joyfully wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what's happening in your life all the time. Some of us are like, please stop talking to me. God is never like that. Never. Because he is fully now in your life. Because of what his son has done for you. He bought you with his blood, so that you can be in his family, and God will be your father, and you can be in his kingdom forever, all by faith alone. That is what Paul is getting at in some aspect when he says, praying at all times. We are to have this attitude then of seeing God involved with us wherever we are, with whatever we have, with whatever we do, and with whatever we interact with. We have, we, by having our hearts, we are to have our hearts in mind, then acknowledge Him in all things, 
which eventually comes out, this acknowledgement, on different occasions in our words. Our hearts are open to it and our mouths exclaim it. See, when Paul says praying at all times, what he's not meaning is that we are supposed to stand still and just pray and never go anywhere and not deal with anything or take care of our responsibilities or no longer enjoy our hobbies and no longer speak to our friends. Some of you might be saying, well, that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> Sorry, I'm praying. I can't talk to you. But here's the thing. Jesus himself did no such thing. He was very much involved with those around him. Even Paul, who wrote this letter, was very much about going out and about, living his life. He was a tent maker. So obviously, Paul is not meaning that. He's not meaning for you to be a monk trapped in a room and do nothing but pray. Again, I know some that seems interesting. But that's not what he wants. No, Paul is just saying to us, we are to frequently pray in all circumstances at all times. We are not to forget that God is present with you and upholds you in all things by faith. So we are to acknowledge him and his ways in our life all the time. We are to praise him for what we see. We are to rely upon him to get us through whatever it is. We are to cry out to him when we are confused or in need. Whatever it is, we are to see him involved with everything in our life. And as the one who sustains our life. And as the one who is over our life. We are to pray always, having our hearts constantly be turned towards him in all things through our faith in Christ. So you could put it this way to be more direct. As we interact and live in this world by faith now, we are to, with our minds and with our hearts and with our words, we are to always pray or acknowledge his presence in our life so that we can grow dependent upon him through faith in his son, in learning how to deal, how to live in this world as his free people, to bring him glory with all things and enjoy fellowshipping with him in all things. It's hard to do that in sin. Can't enjoy your fellowship in sin with God because God would be like, mm-mm. We're to pray and fellowship and have him be with, acknowledge his presence with us in all things so as to not to let, so as not to let the world's influence come upon us but have Christ's influence come upon us instead, all by praying to him about whatever. To see things his way, to go about things his way, to, re to react to things his way, and to glorify him in it and for it. Which brings us to our second point in these principles of prayer. You're praying as much as you can. And our second point is pray verbally and non-verbally. See, when Paul says in verse 18, prayer with all prayer and supplications, he's covering all types of prayers to God. Prayer to God does not just have to be verbal, verbal words that exit your mouth. 
But prayer can be in the heart and in the mind. Speaking to God when no one else can hear it or even see that you're doing it. For example, we can be praying to God in our hearts by being grateful and thankful to Him for our families and our loved ones as we are speaking words to our family just about their daily life. We can, in that exact moment, be thanking our God in our hearts for what we're hearing. And the person in front of you doesn't even know, but God does. It can be finding shelter and security with your mind and heart and, and soul in the truth of the gospel that God loves you unconditionally and is working all things for your good in Him as your inward soul is prayerfully screaming and crying out, Oh God, help me to love this undeserving person as you have loved me undeservingly as you are speaking verbal words to the wretched person who is doing their best to make your life miserable in that moment. And they won't even know, but God will. And you're acknowledging Him in that moment with your heart. See, all prayers and supplications means God hears the audible and the inaudible communication to Him in any form that they come. He hears the great loud words of prayer and declaration of praise of who He is and what He's doing in this world. He hears the quiet, heartfelt thanks of what He's done for us in Jesus as we sit or lay and ponder His love in just the quietness of our beds. If you're up at night freaking out, just dwell on His love. He hears your requests and supplication of your needs. He hears that desperate, loud cry, Help! Help me, Lord! But he also hears the silent, heavy sighs of ache that just desire his comforting love and grace in your heart and mind in that moment. They don't even have words. Because prayer is just our community our communion or communing with God on any level in our life. Any level in our life. But that's the key. That's the highlight Paul is that, that Paul is wanting us to realize with speaking on prayer. It is for us to go to our God with our whole life in all things. Just Paul is reminding us of our full union now with God who hears us fully because of what Jesus did for us by faith. So Paul is saying, speak to God as much as possible with absolutely everything, whenever and however you can, and as frequently as you can. For God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear of your needs, hear of your hurts, hear of your struggles, hear of your sin. Others might not, but he does. He wants to hear of how grateful you are for his blessings in your life. But he also wants to hear of how you are having a hard time seeing his blessings in your life. 
See, Paul is saying God wants you to converse with him as his child, as God's child. So go to him constantly by spoken word or with the quietness of your heart. Just go to him. Because remember, remember, remember this. The world and the devil is doing its best to have you not do that. To have you be occupied with everything else. Did you see the news flash this week? Did you hear what's going on with your neighbor? Do you know what that, that situation that's going on in your, family, in your family's life, can you believe they're doing that and get caught up all in the drama and have that be loud in your brain rather than God and praying to Him? Why? Why? Why is the world doing its best to make sure you dwell on those things? Because they know, the world and the devil knows, and they want you to forget this, that as you go to God in prayer, you grow in deepening your relationship with God. And as a consequence of growing, you then begin to live in the freedom you have in Him. The chains fall off. The chains fall off from this world and from yourself. You, become, you live as a free person. For example, now that we are in Christ, the things that are meant to discourage you and to break you and to drag you down just become tools to encourage you all the more to go to your Lord in prayer. You're like, oh good, another problem. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and see what He does. Tools in directing you to find rest in Christ, rest in His finished works. Because as you pray, you begin to see how worthless this world is and how everything breaks, even relationships with people. And you begin to see the false promises that the world gives that end up letting you down. That new item eventually breaks. That new thing, that money you save, whatever, eventually is not enough. And it ended up, it always ends up letting you down. But God never will. And as you pray, you remember the cross of His great love for you and how you are going to be home with Him forever. That's your destination. You're not condemned anymore. If you were to die right in this moment, you're like, praise the Lord, no more taxes. I'm going home. See, as you go to him in prayer, your life, what happens in those moments, it just happens. You, your life begins to reflect the eternal life you have in Christ. And it begins to reveal his blessings that Christ has attained for you all through praying in him. He just shows you over and over. For Christ himself spoke in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Our eternal life is knowing our God in a personal, favorable, loving level. Not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him. Understanding Him and His ways and then following Him. Understanding what He thinks about the world 
about your family, about your child, about your job, about this church, about your neighbor, understanding what he thinks and what he wants. So then, by his power, he conforms our minds to his thoughts about the world in which we live in and as we go about it. And the primary way and the vital way of doing that is by prayer. A constant acknowledgement and dependence upon his presence in our hearts, in our minds, and in our words, and in our deeds. Now, with all that said, Paul says that another thing here. He says that we're to have all this prayer done in the Spirit. To do all this constant prayer of spoken and unspoken all by and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? How do you pray in his power? How, I mean, what does that even look like to pray in the Spirit? Let me tell you what it's not. This praying in the Spirit is not some special mystical prayer that only a select few can do at select times. He's not referring to anything that we must muster, in our, uh, muster up in ourselves, that we have to do something holy to grab the Spirit's attention to our prayers so that they become holy. He's not addressing those who are well-educated in the Bible. He's not addressing some type of holy elite. Newsflash, there are none. Everyone's sinners in need, in, in are in need of a Savior. No, he's addressing the whole church, everyone. Everyone who in all different stages of maturity in their Christian faith, everyone who are struggling with all types of sin in their life, all who are different ages and are just having different circumstances in their life. So what, so what is the meaning then to be in constant prayer, but specifically prayer in the Spirit? And this brings us to our last point. Pray by faith in Christ alone. Understand this. See, it's all by faith in Christ. We pray. It is through our faith in Christ then, though, we pray. For He sent the Spirit to dwell in us. And, and He sent Him to change us under His name, in Jesus' name. That then includes Christ sending Him, sending the Spirit to prompt us to pray and to mold our prayers. It's all done by faith in Christ and never on your own. Prayer itself the good, is a good work. The good work of praying, okay? It's a work, right? Just like helping people is a work. Praying is a good work. That too was accomplished for us on our behalf through Christ's perfect life in our place so that we could rely upon His strength, His wisdom, His power for our prayers. We have to realize that even our prayers depend upon Christ through our faith in Him and it never depends upon ourselves. And Paul has stated this earlier in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ for good works. That includes prayers, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or more directly, I'll put it this way. Do we have the power on our own to better our prayer life? To have our prayers become more meaningful and powerful and to increase them on our own? No, no, we don't. We must rely upon Christ by faith alone. Look to Him to work through the Holy Spirit in our life to promote us to pray more and to pray in more ways every day. Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Speak of the Spirit working, us by, working in us by faith alone. This is what Paul says. Let me, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by doing good things, or by hearing of faith? Obviously, it's faith. We received the Holy Spirit by faith. Verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, meaning through faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh, by what you do? Are you increasing your prayer life by what you do? No. It's all by the Spirit, through faith. The Spirit works in us through faith alone in Jesus. By faith in Christ, He promotes us to pray and empowers us to pray. Even when our prayers are feeble or weak or just simply all over the place. By faith in Christ, he cleans them up and brings them to God to hear as if they were the best prayers of all time because of what Jesus has done for us. The Spirit does, as, as it says in Romans, 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we, check this out, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to who? The will of God. If you have faith in Christ, you will be compelled to speak to Him because that is the Spirit working within you because you are in a relationship with Christ by faith alone. Paul here is encouraging you and me all the more to grow in that relationship in our Lord, which leads to prayers of all types. And through seeing this passage, or passages like this, the ones I've read and the one we're going over, the Holy Spirit within you will prick you to go and rely upon Jesus by faith more, and so that you will go to Him by prayer with everything and for everything as you live in this world. For that's one of the things the Spirit does in us. As it says in Romans 8.15, you have received the Spirit of adoptions as Son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Your prayer, your prayer life, Abba, Father. Help me, God. So let us constantly then go to Christ by prayer through faith in Him so He can direct us by the Spirit to be encouraged in Him. Remembering that Christ has done everything for us in this life to be right with God and that even our sins are no longer held against us, but we are free now and can ignore the world's influences of sin in our life because we know the world 
is now bent to work in our favor because the Lord has set us free. And we're just called to rest in him. We know that even then, the grossest sins, the horrible mistakes that we have made or that we may even make in the future will never remove God's love over us now through faith in Jesus. That's why we can always pray to him. But rather, rather, when we do commit such acts of sin or remember that we committed such acts of sin or being tempted with such acts of sin, or even currently in the middle of such acts of sin. He, through the Spirit, encourages us all the more to come to God by prayer, to hear we have Him calling us as His dear beloved children, who He loves, who have been forever forgiven. The Spirit is there to remind us that we have an eternal seat at God's table just waiting for us. Because God loves sinners such as us. And the cross is the proof of such amazing love that knows absolutely no bounds. For those whom Christ has set free by faith in Him are absolutely free indeed. So let us then all the more be encouraged then to pray to our God because we have such wonderful news of the gospel in our life, that God loves us unconditionally. So as we now then come to the Lord in prayer as we're closing the service, I encourage the deacons to come on forward if you'd like to pray with them, if you'd like to pray up here, if you'd like to pray where you're at. But let me encourage you to pray this prayer with me that we all can be encouraged to pray more to talk to God more. And with all the struggles you're going through, things maybe that have never been answered, just say, you know what? This pr- it's so meaningful because guess what? It's just driving you more and more to Jesus and less and less to yourself and realizing, man, this world stinks without God. But one day that's all gonna change. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your wonders, for your glory for the absolute joy of knowing that this world is going to be redone at some point. That we, that there is hope, that there is an end to all of this. Help us to be encouraged that our end is with you forever, no matter what happens. God, I pray for all of us that we can be encouraged to pray more with everything, that the first thing to do, our reaction in our hearts is to turn towards you. The reaction with our words is to turn towards you. God, help us to not make life so personal, but to make it about you so we can take the personal out and say, this is all about God anyways. It's not about me. It's not about the person next to me. It's not about that drama. It's not about that person at work. It's not about the things. It's about you. Help us, Lord, to remember that. To not make it personal, but to make it about you. May our prayers reflect that and remind us of that, whether they're loud or in the heart. And help us to remember that we are truly forgiven. 
and that the gospel has set us free all by faith alone in you. In Jesus' name, amen.